Hello, this is Tom Bailey, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's comedian Nate Abshire. And and a lot of people, whether whatever side of that issue they're tied to, it's so emotional for them that they're unable to laugh about it. And also, as a person, I find the truly universal stuff to be a lot more interesting. Nate's going to be recording his very first comedy album at the Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis this week. So we had a nice chat with Nate talking about how he's going to prepare for that and all the things that are going into that process. We have a song of the week coming up from Vampire Weekend. Yes, I know, I know. They've had two this year already, but really that whole album could be songs of the week, quite frankly. And I'll explain uh, in more detail why they have another song of the week this week. And let me see, let's uh, start with a dumb bit, why don't we? I mean, he's the gift that keeps on giving if you're in the comedy business, and, and quite frankly, we all knew it was coming and it was going to be this way. Uh, some of the things uh, that have happened this week and continue to happen uh, with our president remind me of this scene. You've probably seen this either as a meme or you know the movie actually uh, in detail, uh, The Princess Bride. And, uh, well, there's this line from Princess Bride that uh, is used a lot on the Internet. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. And I'm thinking this is the problem our president is having. He doesn't know what words mean. So when he says this... It was a complete and total exoneration. Talking about the Mueller report, uh, that's not accurate, obviously, because, well, because of this. The president has repeatedly claimed that your report found there was no obstruction and that it completely and totally exonerated him. But that is not what your report said, is it? Correct. That is not what the report said. And, of course, in the Ukraine call, uh, this here is from BBC News, uh, we find out this. Quid pro quo. However, when you look at the readout, you can see uh, that as soon as the Ukrainian president starts talking about uh, military aid and the missiles he was going to buy, Donald Trump turns it around and says, I have a favor. To which the president says this. I didn't do it. There was no quid pro quo. Yeah, so if you ask, someone says, I'm going to do, I'm going to buy some stuff from you, and then you say, okay, can you do me a favor first, though? That's what a quid pro quo is. I know it's, now it sounds like a big fancy Latin word, uh, but it's, that's, it's what it is. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. So uh, that's, um, I'm surprised this meme isn't really getting uh, more traction. But uh, I think, you know, this should be a new feature, I think. We're going to have a, a new feature on the podcast, and uh, it's going to be called... You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. So stay tuned for more of those. I'm sure there'll be tons and tons more. Nate Abshire is a stand-up comedian originally from Louisiana, but he moved to Minnesota when he was in college and fell in love with the Twin Cities, but now he's getting ready to maybe to move to a new market. He's recording his first comedy album this week. Here now is our interview with Nate Abshire. So I was looking back, and um, it was about four years ago the last time we spoke. Okay. So I guess the good a good place to start is like, what's new with you, man? What have you been up to? 
<laughs> oh man, uh, hard to hard to think about what four years. Um, I mean, the more recent stuff is fine. Don't go, don't go through, all the see. way back. I uh, well, I'm getting ready to record my first album, which is that's been oh, a, that's right, a yeah. new thing for me. Um, both in terms of trying to sort out uh, record label and all that kind of stuff. And also with the just the amount of refinement of material. I don't typically uh, – I don't want to say work that hard, but what I mean is <laughs> I don't uh, polish jokes that much. I usually move on a little bit sooner. Okay. So this has forced you to kind of like maybe go over jokes more? Yeah, and uh, and and mostly it's a it's been more about putting them into a set, a lot more uh, cohesively than okay. I normally do. I normally am a little more a little looser. I see. Okay, is it like more stories or is it jokey jokes or um I um r- well right now I mean I've I'm I'm gonna, I've been doing it about ten and a half years and so um. This is all of, you know, some of these jokes are eight years old. <laughs> um, just a couple of them that I wrote early on that, that are good enough sort of where I don't want to just throw them away. So, like, this first album is mostly, is much more jokey, like, set-up punchline type stuff. Okay. Um, and part of the reason that I want to record it is because the stuff that I've been writing has been a lot more story, storytelling and stuff like that. And I'm really excited to kind of move on stylistically from these sort of less sophisticated structure-wise, I guess. Yeah, that seems to happen a lot with with folks. They start off, you know, doing especially you start out open mic. You again, you because you only have five minutes. Of course, you know you want to do you know a setup punchline and get a, mm-hmm. as many yucks per minute in there as you can. And then as you get older and experience life more, things happen, and you want to talk about those. And put the the jokes in there. It sounds kind of like how your your set has progressed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely also not just structurally. I'm I'm doing different things now with the new stuff that I'm writing, but like, um, the jokes in there too. Like, I started when I was 25, and like, <laughs> just a lot of that is not who I am anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's also just you know you've seen the people that never throw away material where they're in their fifties and you're like, this is like, <laughs> it's the equivalent of like if Metallica was still doing kill them all. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, but you know, sometimes people want better, to hear that, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can still find <laughs> a way to do it. Later. My, my favorite band still does the first song they ever wrote. Uh, and it's the last, it's the song they close with. So sometimes right. it'll work. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean, but it's, uh, for me, it's, it's just time. Um, and I think some of the stuff I don't want to just throw away, which is why I want to record it. Okay. That's, that sounds good. Like a, a, a good approach. Um, so are you, I can't remember, are you originally from Minneapolis? No, but I've lived in Minneapolis for about 20 years. Okay. And where were you from originally? Louisiana. Okay. I don't want to discuss that. For New Orleans area or like, um... uh, Southwest Louisiana, actually it's, uh, it's rural Louisiana, not like. So more like it's out Shreveport way and that sort of affair. Or even... uh, Shreveport's north. It's like by, like by Lafayette. Okay. I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been been through there. Okay. And then yeah, what... I grew up 
in Lafayette. Okay. And then uh, what took you to Minneapolis? Well, my mom was a social worker in the South, and so we moved around a lot just to different jobs, mostly because, like, a lot of that's government-funded. Sure. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, like, this is like, you know, I think I was conceived during the Reagan administration. Okay. So there's just like that was in the course of like them cutting all of the social programs where she oh okay yeah she basically moved from job to job because of that yikes i just Mm -hmm. uh listen to those the uh, the gm workers are talking about that too that's not even a government thing that's like they close a plant and then they'll ship they shipped one guy from lordstown down to alabama back up to toledo or something like that and yeah it's just right yeah it's just crazy so um, but then Minneapolis kind of stuck. Was that the, yeah, I went to Minneapolis for college and I just love the city. I think, I think my time there is, uh, is, I mean, I, I always will come back. Uh, Acme comedy Company's best club in the country, in my opinion. So like, I'll always come back, but I think that I'm, uh, I think that this, this, this week coming up at Acme is really special to me because, I'm going to be recording, and it's it's kind of like the the end cap to my time there. Okay. Um, are you going to be relocating? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to take a gap year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I I think I'll move to a bigger market like New York or LA. I or maybe Denver for a while. Like I don't. I just don't know yet. Okay. I haven't quite decided. Okay. Yeah, as the last time we spoke, I probably told you what I always tell everybody that I interviewed that's either performing in Minneapolis or is from there is that I've only been to your town uh, twice for an hour in the airport. But that changed <laughs> in August. Uh, my nephew married a local girl. Uh, I think she's from Eden Park. And um, okay. yeah, and so we had we got to come up for a couple of days and experience Minneapolis finally after writing for the paper there for, gosh, over 10 years. Well, it's great. It it gets better than the airport, believe it or not. Right. And well, here's the funny thing. We um we stayed by the Mall of America right on the train line, and my mm-hmm. wife thought, well, this is going to be great. And she, I figured she'd be done with the Mall of America sooner than she realized, but I didn't realize how soon. It was a an afternoon, and we were done completely. Yeah. She bought a lot of stuff, and then uh, but then she's like, oh, good thing we're on the train line. Then we took the train up the downtown and had dinner. And then we're like, we still got to run a car. We got to see what else is around here. And we did, and we looked around the city, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I love Minneapolis. I the Vietnamese food there is top notch. I love, I love, I mean, everything about that city. The bar scene, super fun. Had a lot of fun in my twenties with that. Not so much into it anymore. Well, yeah, because you're, you're a grown-up. The weather, I think, nice. it was, and it was super nice when we were there, of course, because it was August, so it was in the you know 70s, 80s. It wasn't really mm-hmm. um, humid, but you know, I'm thinking, boy, it's but it gets really cold here in the winter. I know that because you know I've I've seen it on the TV. <laughs> it gets bitterly. Well, that's the problem cold. when you when you first visit, it's always in September, and you're like, this is beautiful. Yeah. And then a few months later, it's not as great. But by then, you're moved in. Well, uh, I would advise you, because we went to Denver, another, well, I'd been to Denver before for a conference, but I didn't really go out of downtown too much. We went to Red Rocks to see a concert, and uh, my oh, wife nice. loved Denver, and she's like, this is where I want to move. Our, our goal is to move to the beach in Florida, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, nah, I'm still going to the beach. Because, and it was super nice. The weather was great, but then the morning we were leaving, the you might have seen this on the news. It was a really weird thing. The temperature plummeted from 80 degrees the day before down to 25 and they got snow, and we barely made it to the airport. 
I I'm did like, hear about that. Yeah, and I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah, I'm like, the mountains are fine. Denver's fine. Red Rocks is great, but I don't want to live here. It's just, I just like didn't even know weather could do that. Well, that was even and even for Denver. They said it was unusual. In fact, this we saw the we went. Saw the it was Vampire Weekend. We they played two shows, and wherever they play two shows, they do two completely different set lists. So we had to see both shows. And the first night, beautiful seventy fall evening in Colorado. It was the next night. It was fifty when we left the hotel. It was thirty five by the time they got on stage, and then it started raining. Wow. Yeah, but yes. um, we were uh, we we graduated probably around the time you were conceived. Uh, when we were in high school, U 2s under a blood red sky was the big thing on MTV. And it was uh-huh. filmed at Red Rocks in rain and cold. And it was just like that. And we're like, this is great. This is like <laughs> what we've always wanted. So even though it was rainy and cold and miserable, it was fantastic. <laughs> That's great. But, I don't, but again, don't want to live there. Uh, Minneapolis, even with the cold, I would probably move to, though, because there's just, you know, it seems like there's so much. I just got a better impression of it. I don't know why. Yeah, it's, you know, the cold, like... <laughs> I actually got stuck in Minneapolis. I was supposed to have road gigs, and it was uh, last winter, the winter before. There was just a string of snowstorms where I was I was crashing at a friend's house, and I was like, "Look, I'd love to leave." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were like properly stuck inside. The, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've never I've never done the Vampire Weekend thing. Like usually when I'm closing shows, I'll do it'll be there'll be some similar stuff. Although it does change set to set. Yeah, I know. Some, yeah. you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who said, "No, it should work uh, great all over the country." Might no, it wasn't Mark Norman, but it was somebody else that's based in New York, and they're like, "Oh, it should work well all over the country. Doesn't matter." And then other folks are like, "Oh, there's some things you can't talk about when <laughs> you go places." Yeah, you know, my my at least the the hour that I'm recording is not like it's really universal. I'm not saying it works every time. Yeah. There are some crowds that aren't into it, but uh, but it is like fairly like I do that everywhere. I do I do my set everywhere. I don't you know it's I don't funny, have too, a lot of stuff about politics or anything. Yeah, I was like gonna that. ask, yeah. Cause I was um I got this uh, I don't hear this this Pluto TV. It's um it's a internet thing where it's you can watch it's free TV basically, but it's a lot of like old cable stuff. Mm-hmm. And but they have a stand-up channel, and I just happened to stumble upon uh, one of Jimmy Dore specials, and oh, you nice. you could tell it was still I think it was the Citizen Jimmy one, and it was you could tell it was from a certain time, but it was still funny because you know even though a lot of stuff wasn't relevant or even factual anymore, um, right. because things have changed, uh, it was still really funny though, and you know you could see you know once you know that going in you're like oh this is from. Uh, back during the Bush administration, or you know, you're like, well, it wasn't that far back actually. It was still during Obama. But anyway, you can say, oh, this. But now that I get that, this is still really, really funny, and I, I did laugh out loud at it. But yeah, I, I guess yeah. you. So you consciously stay away from. That would make sense. I never really thought about that. From, mm, from I current. mean, I don't consciously stay away from it, and I have I do political jokes when they happen, but it's more often like that week. Yeah, before right before a recording, keep them you wouldn't. in my act. Yeah, for a recording, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, um, like it's not that. You know, I had a, I used to have a long joke about um, the ways that Donald Trump reminds me of Coco the gorilla, <laughs> um, which is a is a fun bit, but it's not. Even the people that don't like Donald Trump, that joke is dated 
now because oh, yeah. in their minds, he's gone so far that I'm making light of a serious issue. And then the people that are a fan of Donald Trump, they don't like it because I'm making fun of the president and that's wrong and not patriotic. Yeah. So like the, a lot of this stuff just becomes for no one. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Where it's, and, and a lot of people, whether whatever side of that issue they're tied to, it's so emotional for them that they're unable to laugh about it. And also as a person, I find the truly universal stuff to be a lot more interesting. Um, like in just the things that we all have in common as humans is much more interesting to me than doing jokes about politics. Yeah. Well, the, the, the one nice thing about current events though, and I, I, I teach comedy writing to young people on Saturday mornings sometimes is that, um, the nice thing with current events and satirical news is half the work's already done for you. But then right. to, to your point though, that's, um, but then it is more interesting to explore both ends of it, to come up with a, a good setup that people will understand and then finding the funny in that. So right. that seems like it'd be uh, a lot harder. So, um, so you you may relocate. Have you been doing a lot of uh, uh, road work in preparation for that? You've been traveling around more. Yeah, a little bit. I just went to Boston and DC, um, and did some shows there, opening for the Sklar Brothers. Oh, there you great. go. Great, nice guys. It was, uh, super fun. I and uh, I saw them in a TV show just recently. What TV show did I see them in? Oh, Glow. They were in Glow because we haven't caught up on season three. They play a couple like promoters or something like that, and it's 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 just basically yes. just them <laughs> doing their yes yeah yeah they're uh, they're great. So what's going to go into the decision as to which you choose, New York or L.A.? Because I know you know traditionally New York is like well, if you want to do just grind out stand up, run show to show, New York. But if you want to do other stuff, uh, well then you got to go to L.A. And then uh, so what's where do you see? I don't. Meaning? I don't want to do other stuff. I mean, like, I just want to do stand up. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I would do, I would love to do other stuff if someone wants to pay me to do it. Um, but, but like, my, like, my thing is just straight stand up. That's what I'm like. That's what I'm into. Um, but for me, it's the dichotomy between. <laughs> Uh, I think New York stand-up is what I would rather do. I just wish that New York stand-up was located in L.A. Yeah, exactly. Right. With that, that, like, I, I would rather live in L.A. because I'm not, like, I'm not a super city person. It's fine. I'm right. fine there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't love it. Yeah, same. I, I like a little space. Um and just the, you know, um, so that that's a big part of it. But but I would I feel like I would sort of rather the New York scene. Um, but also, like, I don't really know. I haven't been to New York in years. Same. Um, so I, I want to go back and, you know, try to do some sets and hang out a little bit. And I'll probably spend some time just driving around voluntarily homeless and. 
figure out where I want to live, you know? Yeah. Well, the other nice thing, too, about since it's all compacted there on the East Coast is you can, there's other places you can go more easily. I was, when I was talking, we were out in Denver, I was talking to my wife. She was like, you know, the nice thing about living here in Cincinnati is that we're within driving distance, if we want to go see a concert, for example, of Chicago, Indianapolis, Nashville, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Uh, right. You know, if someone's coming and they're not coming to Cincinnati, we can do that. She said, if you live, she goes, what's the closest city to us right now? I'm like, Cheyenne, Wyoming. And that's still an hour and a half away. And then after that, you're looking at like Salt Lake City or Las Vegas. And you're just like, oh, geez, that'd be terrible. I'm like, yeah, that's right. a lot of the guys I talk to and gals that, you know, do stand up from the West Coast. If you want to go anywhere besides Los Angeles or San Diego, you know, the next closest drive is Vegas. And that's five, six hours. Right. Yeah. So. But uh, I get the advantages of New York because you can – the public transportation, you can run around. It's, since it is compacted, you can get a lot of diversity in a in a very small space. So that should – and you're coming from a hardy climate. So, you know, that should that should be more uh, – more tr- even almost tropical to you. Right, right. Yeah, you're not wrong at all. Yeah. Um, so um, what, Go ahead. Jeff. So I was going to say, what kind of things are you doing when you're off duty, when you're not like uh, doing the stand-up? Um, I've been really playing a lot of video games. There you go. Um, Relaxing. I've been playing uh, World of Warcraft Classic. Mm. It's like, it's actually pretty funny. It's a re-release of a video game that came out in 2004. Oh, wow. Um, and it's... It's been a big hit. I have a Twitch channel. I stream video games sometimes, and that's been uh, a lot of fun. I don't typically get many viewers, but do you have fun with it? Is, it, is it is it a funny thing or is it is it serious gaming? Um, I mean a little bit of both. You know, I'm uh, I'm not a pro gamer, <laughs> but I'm better than all of my friends. And really, that's all you need to be. And that's that's where that feels good. You know, my first experience with how good people on the Internet are was like when I was a teenager and I was kicking all my friends ass in Starcraft and I got on the Internet and played Starcraft. And I was like, oh, I'm garbage at this game. (laughs) (laughs) Like I thought I was real good, but I am not. Um, But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, just dude different stuff i've been uh i bought a van last year that i'm in the process of uh converting into a camper van oh nice there you go hope for those road gigs yep there you go and uh and that's kind of gonna be the gap year i'm gonna drive around in it and get in adventures and then you know i've always i've wanted to do it for years yeah and uh sounds definitely approaching an age where it's not as feasible so I wanted to do it now. <laughs> That's cool. Well, great, man. Yeah. Um, appreciate you taking the time today and uh, out of your busy video gaming schedule and prepping for the big show and all. And um, yeah, so it's okay to announce and you're going to be recording the CD then. Yes. Great. I am right. going to be recording. I am going to be recording that week. I don't have a hundred percent on what label it's going to be on oh, or yeah, anything yeah. like that, but uh, it is going to be an album recording that week. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, great. Well, good luck to you. Hope it all goes well. Thanks very much, man. All right. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I always love feeling important. There you go. (laughs) All right, dude. All right. Talk to you later. Take it easy, man. Bye.
Thanks again to Nate Abshire for being on the show. You can catch Nate at the Acme Comedy Company, as we said, recording his first comedy album. I reckon he's going to record all the shows and then kind of piece together the best ones or just pick the best out of the lot. I'm not sure. I didn't ask him that. Uh, maybe I should have because... Uh, some people do it, you know, different ways. But uh, anyway, you can catch Nate there at the Acme Comedy Company. Uh, let me see, uh, October 29th, which I believe is this Tuesday, and he will be there through Saturday. So for all your Nate Abshire needs, go to nateabshire.com. It's spelt like it sounds, uh, A-B-S-H-I-R-E, uh, and then Nate is standard spelling, of course. So uh, yeah, do check Nate out, and we'll find out whether he's going to be in New York or Los Angeles one of these days. So okay, now we're up to the song of the week. And yes, it's Vampire Weekend again. Yes, it's their third time being Song of the Week. But again, uh, this Father of the Bride album, I'm telling you, we've got two months to go, and this is probably Album of the Year. I don't see anybody catching it. Although, in the olden days, uh, bands used to, and artists used to release, uh, their, the big major artists would release stuff uh, this time of year in time for Christmas to get that excitement going. Not so much the case anymore, and certainly the case with this album, because Vampire Weekend are pretty popular. And uh, so, but they released this back in the spring uh, because they were going out on the road, of course, to tour. And this tour is now going to go into 2020. But uh, we've seen them a ridiculous amount of times this year, three to be exact. Uh, One's in Cincinnati, twice in Denver at the very great Red Rocks Amphitheater there. And uh, boy, it was so cool. Uh, as I, I've explained in a couple of interviews I've done with comedians where we were talking about music and bands we've seen recently, is that um, my wife and I, you know, grew up in the 80s, and uh, the, the first exposure we had to Red Rocks was U2's very great Under a Blood Red Sky live concert uh, video and CD, and they played at Red Rocks in rainy, cold weather. And uh, the first night we saw Vampire Weekend in Denver, beautiful fall evening in Colorado, 65 degrees, very lovely. Next night, very U2-esque weather. Uh, it was it started. We got there, it was 60 degrees, it plummeted to 32 by the time the concert was over, and it started to rain by about the fourth song. So it looked almost exactly like uh, the U2 concert, except... Uh, Vampire Weekend aren't quite like U2 in that they're, you know, he's climbing all over the stuff and go out and they're not very anthemic. Uh, of course, they're more of a straight-ahead, you know, rock and roll band. But, um, <clears throat> and they did a very Springsteen-esque three-hour set both nights. One was two hours and 45 minutes, the other was close to three hours. But again, not flying around. Kind of morphed into fish a little bit, as my friend Billy DeVore would say. Uh, but not bad. They're musicians. They, they want to show you what they can play. They want to do their thing, as they, as they say. And as such, uh, Vampire Weekend used to tour with just the four core members, and uh, Rostam left. He's the keyboard player. So that's, they're down to three, but they brought in uh, a gal named Greta, uh, who used to be in the Hush Sound. You may remember them, and she's been in a couple other bands since then. She's now based in Los Angeles, and she's now joins, and she does the female parts that uh, the one Hame sister did on the actual album, Father of the Bride. And she does, does a fantastic job. They have another keyboard player, essentially that replaced Rostam. And then they have another drummer, and I think they have oh, another guitar player. So anyway, it's a, a full band. They rotate the set list uh, every town they're in. So in Denver, when they played two nights, they played two completely different set lists. There was some overlap. There was some songs you heard some nights, some didn't hear the other night. So anyway, uh, their best live track, backing out Walcott, which they usually finish the, uh, the show with, and there's probably a couple other ones you could argue. Uh, the sympathy from the new album is just a, is just a proper live tune. It is so good, and so that's going to be our song of the week to celebrate the great show we saw, great shows we saw at Red Rocks out there in Denver. This is Vampire Weekend. They've got our song of the week with sympathy. PF Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening.
sympathy what I'm to you, you are to me, let's go Sympathy, what I'm to you, you are to me, let's go Diego Garcia, surrounded by the waves Lonely in the ocean, but in every other way It was full of love